0: Thank you for listening to the Akuo Church Podcast. We exist so that people will be in community with Jesus and one another. We'll do that by listening to God, loving people, learning our purpose, and linking to our community. From wherever you are listening, welcome to the community. We hope you enjoy the message. Great to be hanging out with you again, Akuo. If you've hung out with us at all this year, you know that the word that God spoke to us to live out this year is ready. Ready as currently constructed. This hasn't been a matter of building new things within ourselves. This year has been about uncovering the things that are already there and using those. Using those skills and abilities and not some far off place, but right where you're at. You don't have to go searching for the fields you're supposed to be working in. You're already in the field that you're supposed to be working in. And Jesus explained these same ideas to his disciples that were going to become apostles for him amongst the nation of Israel. That was their backyard. That was the field that they were already in. As these guys got ready to go and start spreading the good news of Jesus, something happened. Israel rejected Jesus. And Jesus started speaking in parables so the disciples could get a deeper understanding of what he was explaining. Jesus was teaching them in a deeper way. And He's giving them a new way to communicate the gospel in the future as they go out into Israel, this place that was rejecting Jesus. And the same thing actually works for us today. As we hear stories and connect them to something eternal, it gives it a much greater meaning. Also, if done correctly, it can help us have a better understanding of the gospel of Jesus. And while I was reading and studying for this message this week, uh, I kind of started thinking about something in particular. So if you know me, you know, I like a good cheeseburger. Now, luckily we live in San Antonio and everyone seems to have a burger on their menu. So it's really easy to find something that's solid, fine, totally adequate, but I'm always looking for something that is more than solid. I want spectacular, something that can offer me a great experience as well. So one day while I was at a party with my wife, I I overheard this guy talking about a burger place in our area. He was like, Hey, it's kind of like a burger speakeasy. You got to know where it is. You got to order the right way. Otherwise, you won't get served. So I heard this and I'm like, what, what? Like this, this seems like exactly the kind of thing I'm always looking for. So I went to the guy. I'm like, hey man, uh, can, can you tell me where this place is at? Uh, what is it? And He just kind of kept blowing me off. Oh, well, you know, it's kind of hard to find. And, and, and he just refused to tell me. He said, if too many people found out about it, it would ruin it. Now, I need y'all to know something about me. There have been times in my life where I've struggled with being petty and vindictive. This was definitely one of those times. I ended up spending way too much time trying to figure out where this burger place is at. Of course, a simple Google search gave me nothing, so I started asking around, and finally, my father-in-law knew exactly where I was talking about. So I went. The place was called Joe's Hamburgers. It was located on Blanco, close to Edison High School, in a small building that you would never notice unless you knew what you were looking for. The business had been open for more than 80 years before it closed uh, a few years back. And when you walked in, it felt like you walked into another time. And the place lived up to the hype. The burgers were amazing, and the owner and cook Phyllis was just as great. I made it a point to bring others there. And then one day I ran into that guy and I made it a point to let him know I got to go to Joe's and I got to talk to Phyllis. Now, what would have happened if at some point somebody asked me where this place was and I was like, I don't know, man, can't, can't let too many people in there. That would have been super messed up, right? I mean, have you all ever found yourselves in a situation like this? Someone did something to you. You knew it wasn't right. But then when it came time to make it right for somebody else, well, you wronged them as well. Now, when you think about how somebody takes care of you, like they might take care of you and then you turn around and then don't take care of the next person needing the same help you need. Well, we actually see this exact idea at work today in what we're about to read through. Today, we're going to be looking at an account of Jesus's life as recorded by his friend and disciple, Matthew. The part we're about to read happens right after Jesus has explained what it looks like to deal with another believer that has sinned against you. So let's take a look. Here's what Matthew writes. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Okay, we got to get some context out. Out of the way first so jesus explained what it looks like to make peace with someone that sinned against you then peter has a question how many times do we have to forgive that person right he's he's going seven times which might seem like a low number to us so when peter asked that question we have to know that rabbis taught the jewish people that they should forgive a repeated sin three times but after that they didn't have to forgive anymore They didn't have to give out that forgiveness anymore. So I would imagine that Peter is feeling pretty good about himself when he says that someone should forgive someone seven times. I mean, that's more than twice as what is required, right? Not only that, but it is the perfect number, the number of completion in Jewish culture. So Peter's like, I'll do it seven times, the complete amount. Peter was probably feeling like he nailed that interaction with Jesus, but not so fast, my friend. Peter was way off. Because in one fell swoop, Jesus shuts Peter down. Jesus is like, hmm, that's cute, seven. Try 70 times more than what you think. That's how many times you should forgive someone. Now, here's the deal. I don't think that Jesus is saying that we can forgive somebody 490 times. But on number 491, we don't have to forgive them anymore. I think what Jesus seems to be doing here is throwing out a huge and somewhat random number to illustrate that you should be forgiving people so many times. So many, like 490 times, I don't know. Now when you hear it like that, it makes a little more sense. Jesus is throwing out a huge number out here because the amount of work that it would take to track up to 490 is ridiculous. So many that somebody would probably forget where they were at, and then they would just keep on forgiving that person forever which is what Jesus is really saying. So how many times should we forgive someone? Every time. Jesus' point was that the disciples should not limit the number of times they forgive one another. Now after this point, he launches into a parable, something to help these guys understand this principle even better. Here's what Jesus said next. Therefore, The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. So in this parable, Jesus says that the story he tells is like the kingdom of heaven. So God would be the king, then the disciples, uh, and all the rest of us would be his servants. So Jesus is just establishing what his coming kingdom will look like. It's going to be one where the king looks at his people that go before him and ask for forgiveness. And then it's granting. Even when it's a huge debt. Even when it's millions of dollars. The kind of debt that you will never be able to pay back. Right? That's the kind of debt that this servant goes to the king with. And it kind of shows the desperation of the servant. Because the servant knows that he will never make the millions back to pay the king. He could work his whole life and never get close to making that amount of money. But the servant begs for more time. Please just give me some more time so I can repay you. And it's here that the master was filled with pity for him and released him forgiving the debt. Now, I'm going to nerd out a little bit here right now because I'm so excited about this part. Because the Greek word that is translated into pity is splaknizomai. It means to be moved to one's bowels, to be moved with compassion. Does this look familiar, this word? I hope it does because this is what we talked about back in September. This is a feeling that Jesus felt and was recorded by Matthew before. Let's look and see at how Matthew recorded this time Jesus was feeling this. When Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion. That's the word right there. Compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. There it is right there. Splachnizomai. The compassion Jesus felt for those people was so much that it shook his insides, it messed with his bowels. This is exactly what the king feels for his servant in this parable. He cares for his servant so much that when the king sees the servant begging for more time, the king has his inside shook with pity and then forgives the debt and sets the servant free. Jesus knows exactly what he is doing as he is telling this parable to these guys. So after the king gives grace to his servant, he goes out to live this newfound life, this servant, right? He goes out to live this life of freedom, because remember, not only is he free, no longer imprisoned, but his debt was forgiven. Millions of dollars in debt just gone, just like that. Now, after this, Jesus explains what the servant does with his life after receiving this incredible amount of grace. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Come on, dude, what is this guy doing? This servant was just given forgiven millions of dollars, and now he's running after a guy that owes him a few thousand, which I get why somebody would want that money back. I mean, that's not nothing. That's a significant amount of money, but to go and run and find this guy right after he was forgiven, that's a tough look. Now, what's interesting is that when the king had the servant, there was no violence involved. The servant was just brought before the king. That was it. But here the servant is grabbing the other, other servant by the throat. Then the second servant asks, he's like, hey, can, can you just be patient? It's the same thing that the first servant asked the king, be patient, I'll pay it. Now, unlike the king, this guy was thrown into prison. Can you imagine how you would feel if you were watching this go down? It would be like if the dude in the Starbucks sign that, that doesn't pay for the person behind them, after the person in front of them got the coffee. Wait, that that's actually not enough. It would be like if the guy got his coffee paid for by the person in front of him, then he gets out of his car, goes to the car behind him, opens up the window, starts choking the guy behind him and is like, give me a gift card now we'd probably have a pretty strong reaction if we saw something like this, right? And the people in Jesus's parable, they had a strong reaction to what they saw. Here's how Jesus explains it. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Y'all, the other servants saw this injustice and they were like, we are going to stand for this. They got the authorities involved. They got the king to come back into the picture. And things do not go well for servant number one. You see here, the king calls him evil. You evil servant. And then he brings it home. The king explains how the servant was forgiven and he should have mercy on his fellow servant. And because of the lack of mercy he showed to his fellow servant, not only will he get sent to prison, but he will now be tortured until his debt gets paid back. Which, if you remember, is never the servant could never make the money back to repay the king. That was the beauty of this forgiveness. It was so much that was forgiven. So this servant will spend the rest of his life stuck in a prison being tortured. All the servant had to do was forgive a lesser debt and he would have been living his best life. But because he held on to the smaller debt, he'll be tormented for the rest of his days. Which I really think informs how Jesus ends this parable. This is what your heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to give your brothers and sisters forgiveness. So I want to stop right there. Because the way we interpret this last sentence can cause a huge ripple effect in how we view God and grace and his forgiveness. You see, I've seen this taught that Jesus is telling people to get forgiveness from God, you have to give forgiveness. If you don't, he will remove his forgiveness from you. Right? Like, it's all about what we do to make God do a thing. And I don't think that's right. Because we all know that the forgiveness that we get from God relies solely on one thing. Our belief in Jesus. If we say that God will take back his forgiveness because we can't forgive, that means that our actions are greater than Jesus laying his life down. It's like we are saying our unforgiveness is stronger than the ability of forgiveness we get from Jesus. Which is just wrong. So here's what I think Jesus means right here. I think this is about the life that we are choosing to live. In the parable, the servant is given forgiveness, but then chooses to live a life without it. So the king says, all right then, enjoy your life without forgiveness. Here are the consequences of that choice. Here is what your life looks like without it. So it's not really a matter of the king taking back his forgiveness. It's more like the king is allowing the servant to choose the kind of life that he wants. Which still applies today. The ways that we forgive grace, the ways that we give grace, the way that we forgive others can severely change our quality of life. Now, really quick aside. This is not to say that if you are being abused physically, mentally, spiritually, that you need to stick around in that situation. You can offer forgiveness to someone that has harmed you in your life from a far away distance with boundaries up while you are safe. You don't have to stay. I would encourage you to find a safe place to figure out what forgiveness looks like. Okay, back to the parable. If you choose to live a life of keeping track of every single way the people around you have wronged you, you're going to live a life trapped. You're going to live a life of imprisonment, of isolation. You're going to live a life of torment. And it's not going to happen because God is throwing you there. Y'all, the gate to the cell you are in is unlocked. You just have to walk out on your own. But we choose to stay in it, in this prison of unforgiveness. Now here's how theologian Chuck Swindoll builds on the principle that Jesus lays out for us in this parable. Here's what he says. Every time an offense occurs, forgive. Every single time. If you do not, you will never be happily married. If you do not, you will never find a church you'll be content with. If you do not, you will never find a group you can get along with. You'll never be able to work for any company. You're just going to spend your entire existence looking for and expecting perfection, but never finding it. That's not a happy way to live, nor is it realistic. So this is the prison we put ourselves in when we can't forgive. You hold grudges against everyone. You shut people out that can't be perfect, which is everyone, everywhere. So you isolate yourself, put yourself... In a prison you think you're keeping yourself safe from the other people but really what's happening is you're imprisoning yourself and what i think this really boils down to is how we view grace in our own lives in my experience people that don't give grace well they have a lot of trouble receiving it specifically from god because they don't fully understand it also if you're someone that can give grace to other people but not yourself y'all that's the same thing Setting unrealistic expectations on yourself is also putting you into a prison of torment. I know, because I've lived that for a very long time, and it's something I'm currently trying to undo. Y'all, I have grace for people all day, all night, seven days a week. I can do it. But when it comes to grace for myself, I have next to nothing. I recently was meeting with my counselor, and he asked me, about what the expectations were for me in this role at the church, which made me ask a question of my own. I asked, well, what do people expect of me? Or what do I expect of myself? Now that question started a conversation between the two of us and it led to us uncovering that my expectations were so much higher for myself than anyone else had in any part of my life. You see, I expected myself to be the perfect husband, father, son, brother, and pastor. And uncle. And whenever I fell short of that unrealistic expectation, well, I threw myself in prison to be tortured by myself. I'd say, it's okay for that person or those people to fall short. But for me, I have to be better. I have to be perfect. And y'all, that's just not right. We are called to forgive people, even ourselves, 70 times, seven times. We got to let people around us off the hook for not being perfect. We got to let ourselves off the hook for not being perfect. Because if any of us could achieve perfection, we wouldn't need Jesus. Our own goodness would shield us from God's judgment. And that's just not a real thing, y'all. But we need to be forgiving people constantly. Because the only one that has walked this earth and has been perfect is Jesus. He lived a life without sin, without messing up once. He was perfect. And then he laid his life down. He gave up his life to become the perfect, blameless sacrifice for us. So that when we believe in him and what he did here on this earth, every single one of our sins, every single way we have fallen short to the people around us, to ourselves, to God, all of these things will be forgiven. So if you want to declare or redeclare that belief today in Jesus, I can help you do that. All you have to do is have a simple conversation between you and Jesus, which we will call prayer. Now to help you out during this time, I'm going to ask all of the Akuo community to pray along with you. Because here at Akuo Church, no one ever has to pray alone. You always have a community praying along with you. So if you want to declare your faith in Jesus today, just say something like this between you and him. Just say, Jesus, I believe. I believe in you and what you did here on this earth. Today, the best way I know how, I give you my life. Amen. Now, I want us to have a moment where we listen to God. Y'all, we are a Kuo Church and that word means to listen. So we want to do that right now. Let's make ourselves available to God so we can hear from him right now. Because we know the best ability that we can have when it comes to dealing with God is availability. So if you can, I just want you to close your eyes, make yourself comfortable right now, and then ask Jesus this one question. Just ask him, Jesus, who do I need to forgive? We'll take a few minutes to ask and listen, and then I'll come back to finish in prayer. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice, for your love, for your grace. The way that you continue to forgive us. Thank you. Jesus, will you please help us remember the forgiveness that we have been given by you? Jesus, will you show us how to let that forgiveness flow from us and out to the people around us that deserve it? and those that don't. Jesus, will you please help us also forgive ourselves in all the ways we know we are falling short. Thank you for everything, Jesus. We love you. Thank you. And we pray all of these things, in your mighty and holy and grace-filled and forgiving name, Jesus. Amen. Now, before we finish out, just I want to share our holiday schedule with you. So this year, Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday. So what we've decided to do is have our Christmas Eve service at our normal time, 10 a.m. We will be meeting up that morning and we will be doing a family service, which means we will be worshiping right alongside all of the kiddos here in the Akua community. Now, we will only be meeting at 10 a.m. Christmas Eve morning. That's it. Okay, so be sure to remember that. Then the next week, it's New Year's Eve. So that day we will be having an online-only service. Online-only service. It's something that we're doing for a few reasons. First, I want this to be a very personal time that you can get to have. There will be some good prayer and listening times in this message and I want you to have the full amount of time and space to do this so you can think through all of these things. Second, the other reason, we wanna make sure that we are giving our teams a break during the holidays. We wanna make sure that all the people that volunteer their time to serve our community have the chance to just hang out on that Sunday. Now to circle back, we will only be having an online-only service New Year's Eve. We will only have service at 10 a.m. on Christmas Eve. All right. Now the last thing I want you to I want to talk to you about today is how we are generous here at cool If you do give here, I just want to thank you. You're helping us make real impacts here in our neighborhood. So if you do give here at cool, I want you to know. That you aren't giving to Akuo, but you are giving to your community through Akuo. We have literally given away tens of thousands of dollars this year. It's ridiculous, and it's awesome, and I love y'all for that. Now, if you aren't sure where to start with your generosity here at Akuo, one of the many ways that you can express your generosity is through the biblical method of generosity called tithing, which means offering a first few 10% uh, to the storehouse, which is your local church. That could be a place that you start until you figure it out until you talk to God and hear from him. Now, the celebration of giving might not be a possibility for you right now. Things might be really tough for you and your family, and that's okay if things are tough for you right now. I want you to please allow us to help you out during this time. We wanna be linked to you during your tough time. So if you need anything at all, please reach out to us. Or if you know someone that needs some help, let us know. To do that, all you have to do is go to our website, akua.church and click on the Contact Us link. You can also send an email to us at help at akuo.church, or you can call or text to church at 210-901-8785. Now, if you are willing to give here at Akuo Church, the way you can do that is by going to our website, akuo.church. And when you get there, all you have to do is click on the giving link and follow the instructions. We also have our text to give option for that. All you have to do is text Akuo, A-K-O-U-O, and the dollar amount you want to give to the number 77977. And if you don't want to give electronically, we also have our PO box available. If you'd like to send your gift through a check for that, all you have to do is mail it to Akuo at PO box 100 125, San Antonio, Texas 78201. All right, y'all that's all that I have for you today. I just want you to know that I love and appreciate each and every one of you. And we will be praying for you now and throughout the rest of the week. So before we get out of here, let me just pray for you one last time. Jesus, I pray that as each and every person that is hearing my voice, that, they would have heard your voice. They would have heard you and they would be inspired to chase after you this week. Jesus, I pray that as they put away their phones and, and close their laptops, turn off their TVs and whatever it is, however it is they're hearing this right now, I pray that you would continue to speak to them. I pray that you would continue to show them the forgiveness that they've been given by you and that you would show them the way that they need to be giving out forgiveness in their lives right now. Jesus, I thank you for everything. I love you, we love you, and we pray all of these things in your holy and precious name, amen. All right, that's all that we have for you this week. We'll see you next time. Thanks for spending time with us today. You can find this message and any recent sermon available on demand at our website, akouo.church. That's A-K-O-U-O k o-o.church. church. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching A Cool Old Church. Welcome to the community. We hope to hear from you soon.